Hello, and welcome back to Systems Within Systems Presents, The Way of Violent Realization. So, maybe it was two podcasts ago, uh, we all went out to dinner after the podcast, and uh, we were talking about nothing in particular. Uh, Sifu comes out, and he just says, I got, I got a question for you guys. After I came back from the bathroom, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you always think well in the bathroom. Why does creation exist? And there were crickets. Uh, creation in general, no specificity, just all of creation. Why does it exist? All right, so what did you guys come up with? <laughs> so we were. Kick it at all? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I. I've read a couple of different sources. The one that I subscribe to the most that I would have to, if I had to give an answer, the spiritualist form of thinking stands out to me the most. It makes the most sense to me. And uh, that basically outlines that creation imagined itself into existence. You know, if you were to think of like a... Uh, a universal intelligence or a higher power. It imagined itself into existence and it coincides with the uh, scientific theory that, you know, the Big Bang and, you know, things uh, <clears throat> generated from that one specific point and, you know, uh, you know what is that called? Uh, that's a, there's a term for it where everything uh, comes back to one point. Everything loses power over time. What is that? There's a word for that. What, like entropy? The collapse? Entropy. Yeah. Entropy, correct. And that that is the breathing of God, right? Well, I like what you said, you know, what we've talked about, you know, uh, it imagined itself into existence. Yeah, that's in the words you of know, the spiritualist, yeah, and yeah, some authors. Yeah. <clears throat> so that kind of goes with, you know, with what I always try to teach to everybody as far as that goes. But you got to <clears throat> believe what you're doing. Right, and you're trying to, uh, how, the, the thing is, is, you know, how does that apply to you? You know, where, 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 where are you in the grand scheme of, of things? You. Not just uh, universe, not just uh, planet, not just people. You know, where are you in that, in the whole idea of creation's existence? Where, where, how do you play a part in that? How do you play a role in it? What is your role in it? Do you have a role in it? You know, or as well, you know, like the question that I asked was, you know, why does creation, you know, exist? <laughs> right? So, you know, so go ahead. Keep, you know, does any... You, you have any more you want to say, Kenny? To be honest, I mean, I don't have any answers that I can come up with by myself. I just amalgamate different theories and kind of filter out what makes the most sense to me. For me, uh, that spiritualist theory seems to make the most sense, you know, that it imagined itself into existence, <clears throat> and that we ourselves are little parts of that, and we are creating our own realities. We're multidimensional. We don't exist in one reality, you know, we're not just this, you're not your body, you know, you have a body, you're a soul, and you, you know, that's not really limited to one reality, you know, so, um, I don't know if that... If that even gets into it, I don't know if that starts to get close to the ball rolling. You, you, I don't well, think you got the ball rolling there. Okay, at least. <laughs> all right. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but uh, I'm not looking for anything. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just seeing, you know, just post a question to you guys, you know, yeah. at that time. I don't know. That would be my real answer. I don't know, but if I had to say something, that would be cool to start a place for me to start. I don't know. I really don't know. Hmm. That's, I should have said that. Should, yeah, but for the record, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> who, is, who says that? Aristotle or uh, was it Aristotle says I know that I don't know, therefore I know. Yeah, it was one of those three. I think it was Aristotle. Uh, I know yeah. that I don't know, therefore I know. And you know, if you take the ego out of that statement, and you look at it like it, it's what I teach basically is that you teach away. The whole idea of the systems within systems and everything combining is teaching away. So, you know, you're constantly should be striving as an individual to evolve, to, to, to discover, and to not just say, well, this is it, 
to always use it as a step to take you to the next step. You know, just like our brain, how our brain works, so many neurons and so much going on in our, in our own, you know, there's more neurons in our brain, so they say, if you exclude dark matter, I don't know, but you just see everything that's seen, then there are more stars that are in the heavens, you know. Uh, just like there are more planets that are like our planets, that there are more people here on Earth. And, you know, like, well, we're really very big, but the brain is amazing. And somewhere where the, our DNA, if you stretched it out, uh, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but if you stretched out our DNA, it could go back and forth from our planet to the sun like six times. You know, something like that, if we, the information that's in there. Like, your, your universe is what I'm saying, basically. Even if it went one time. But I think they were saying six or seven times. It's like, it's like... It's still an it's, enormous distance. It's amazing, you know, to, to unwrap that. You know, so... And yet, if the sun blows up, you know, you're, you're done in a second. So range doesn't mean <laughs> it could take us, you know, three lifetimes, you know, traveling at the speed of life, light to reach the sun from here. But the sun, if it blows up, it's here in a nanosecond. So it's only <laughs> and the cool thing is, is that I mean, the really cool thing about it is, is that, you know, it's blowing up. You know, like if you see it like, OK, we. You know, the scientists say the sun's going to go supernova in today. And you can sit and you can watch it and you watch it go supernova and that's it. I think think it takes 11 minutes for the image of the sun as it is at that second to reach Earth. So it would be a really interesting 11 minutes. You see the sun begin to explode and then 11 minutes later it gets there. And yeah, and you're gone. (laughs) You know, probably gone before that it. with all the heat and everything yeah, else that's radiated in the, the belt, or if you're not blind from watching it in the first place. But the, the cool thing about it is that you are conscious to know it. Now, I don't know if the sun has a consciousness that hey, I'm going to blow myself up, you know, but you're aware of it. You know, you're actually participating in it. And what happens and you vaporize and whatever happens from there happens from there. But the point is, is that it's kind of cool that we, Ben and I, I'll say this real quick so you guys get going. Well, uh, we were coming down, we were having this conversation about something, and there was a, um, a cricket, not a cricket, uh, a grasshopper, grasshopper. Yeah. that was on my windshield, which Ben said, hey, look, you got a grasshopper. And he was a, a pretty good-sized grasshopper, and he was hiding behind the windshield wiper, right? I have a lot of, bugs are creepy, I hate bugs, they crawl on you, but I have a great respect for, for bugs. Because they're just amazing creatures, and they survive everything. Anyway, we're doing like 70 miles an hour. He just battened down the hatches, and he just clinches, and he's staying there. Now, if we were in 70-mile-an-hour winds, plus the the G-forces, we'd be crushed, blown to pieces, dead. But he's just hanging there. He's just hanging there, and every time we would slow up, he'd come back up, you know, to see what was going on. And then the car would pick up and go back down, you know. Or sometimes he'd just stay in in that wind factor. In the wind, yeah. You know, like, that would kill us. So I'm thinking, oh, I gotta pull over somewhere and let this guy go. You know, just let him, let him. They're just so cool. You know, uh, I've done that many times. Like I get the spiders, you get the spiders mm-hmm. on the windshield and outside, and just they just the right. Like it would just blow you away, and they just make their little cocoon and they they stick there. It's like we be. It's just amazing to me. It just amazes me. You know. So we finally slowed down in this one spot, and I'm looking for a place to. As I'm talking to Ben about something. And uh, he gets up and he finally sees that this is his shot and he jumps. And I'm thinking that he's got to jump like on another car or something. But he saw these bushes and he jumped and he jumps to the left, right? Veers around, goes right and goes right to these bushes. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. That was, uh, you know, I was just yeah, amazed. Yeah, flew a good, like, 25 feet across several lanes of traffic and just... Yeah, and it's like spiders, you know, they're so creepy, but they're so cool. Because you walk up to them and they, they see you, and they're reacting with you, you know? The difference between what they do, it's instinctive, you know, it's in their, their makeup, in their chemistry, compared to what we do is that we are consciously aware not just, not just aware because we're designed that way. We are consciously aware if somebody pulls a gun to your head, if somebody's coming at you with a knife, if there's a car coming at you, you know, unless you're taken off guard. So you could be sitting 
standing on a on a beach and if there is a huge wave coming at you and you know this is death that's coming at you you're looking at it a bug doesn't recognize it but you because you're consciously aware your universe is consciously you recognize that wave and it's it's horrible and yet cool <laughs> you know at the same time you know there's a there's a uh, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan but there was one thing uh, I saw when the movies first came out I really liked the first movie because it was more innocence and it was just good and then it started getting darker and more adult where uh, the one wizard was talking about the wand and I, I can't quote the line because I, I, I've oh, said it yeah, one time. He, when he was picking out his wand and he said the bad wizard yeah he said he said something to the fact he said uh, what's the bad with Voldemort or something yeah. like that? Yeah. He said, Voldemort does terrible things, but they were great things. <laughs> yeah, he was a great wizard. He was a great, terrible, terrible, great. And he did terrible, great. They were terrible, yeah. but they were still great. He respected yeah. his, his ability. Yeah. He, he was, chose to act one way with it, but he still had the abilities. But the thing was, to do, to they were do terrible, it. but they were still great. Yeah. You know, and like, well, you can't, you can't deny about... his power. Right. No, no, no one, no one was just like, ah, he's phoning it in. He's half-assed. They're like, no, no, he's the real deal, but he's just a monster. Yeah. <laughs> right. And whatever he, whatever, whatever, but it was just like, I don't know, the presence. And really, I guess in the show, uh, it was supposed to be. I'm not like I said. I know there's probably a lot. Of, I don't follow any of the. I don't follow anything, except maybe. Uh, the old Star Treks, you know. And, and one or two survival guys. Yeah, oh, so, well, that survival's different. I'm talking about, you know, fantasy shows. Oh, yeah. You know? um, but I think it was like the reason he couldn't be killed was because of the love that the parents had for him or something like that. So, I don't know. But I like the idea, like, he was so dark, but so great. You know, like Darth Vader. You know, he's so dark, but so great, you know. And uh, the whole idea of Darth Vader, to me, uh, was that whole concept of wanting the, the world is too stupid to rule themselves so I want to rule everything so we'll have order you know which doesn't work you know because you're always gonna it just doesn't work the Hitler tried to do it Napoleon Genghis Khan here on on a planet with just us here uh, I can't even fathom what it would be with universal planets with things that do what they do and that's why I kind of like the Star Wars or the uh, Star Trek idea where we're interacting with other beings and cultures that, you know, it's pretty interesting stuff, you know. But the whole point of consciousness, other than the bug, the bug knew instinctively, you know, we are very aware that of what is going on. And we're also aware in a different concept. I think like an animal will know that it's going to die and will walk away from its family and go somewhere you know, and die. It it's instinctively knows that. Where we recognize there that we have an end here. That our consciousness of where we exist now has an ending. And that uh, gives you certain abilities to really research and to really grow and to start to understand more about, you know, your play in the world. So like what Kenny was saying about, you know, uh, Imagine itself into existence, and then, and that you're a part of that. You know, what are you doing with it? So, you know, uh, I don't know. We're getting back to the question, but the idea is like, you guys got any thoughts on either the question or just on consciousness itself, or where you stand, and how does that interplay with? Uh, I would think that for lack of, to just to kind of play, give a playing field, guys, to give everybody and our listeners a playing field. For lack of a better term, I would say that at least the people that are in this room and more people, like what Kenny was trying to say, are practicing uh, spirituality. And that's just for lack of a better term. So you would say that, hey, I don't believe in any real organized religion. I believe in the, the camaraderie or the, the idea of having a place to go or people have a place to go and the interaction of whatever religious belief maybe be following. But I think people today are becoming more individualized and, for lack of a better word, more spiritual. Okay, let me jump in on that. Then. Okay. 
Um, pretty much every major religion, if you look at the initial teachings, for the most part, whether it's Buddhism, Christianity, and we, everybody knows that also that you know your whole uh, yeah, yeah, I, study I, and, yeah, I got and my education degree in, in religious in studies. religious studies, right? But most of them talk about destruction of ego. So, if you look at it in that terms, um, let's talk about knowing versus understanding. There are certain things I'm, I'm comfortable saying I know, but when it gets down into like heavy academics, sometimes I'm, I get much, much less comfortable with it versus like, okay, I, I can kind of understand that. So, especially in the Kung Fu as well, and I, I'm not trying to get down on academics, but I prefer science because yeah. most scientists, like if they're, they're real, they'll be like, I don't know a lot of things. And that's what's so cool. Because the entire point of science is to figure out <laughs> more stuff. Yeah. And so like, they get excited about the stuff they don't know. And it becomes much, much less about rote memorization and just saying, this is the way it is. How do I fit this into my worldview? Because like, a really good scientist will get new information and be like, this completely changes what we thought. Because... I'm not trying to cram this new information into my worldview. I have to modify my worldview based on this information. And that's, that's really what the discovery, the internal discovery in Kung Fu is all about. You know, you think you know all these things about yourself. And a lot of that comes down to ego. And it's, it's not unusual, and I'm sure I was the same way. Like, someone comes in the class, they're like, I know I could handle myself in this situation. Uh, like, not too many years ago, we had a 14-year-old kid come in. And I think we read this up last class, and he's like, I'm going to beat the crap out of the teacher, I'm going to beat the crap out of the teacher's friends, I'm going to beat the crap out of all the students. And he comes in, and my, you know, 110-pound wife tears him apart for half an hour. And he's bigger than me. He's, he was a decent-sized 14-year-old kid, but he, he, he left with his ego just crushed because, you know, you, you guys know... My wife, she's not big. Totally but, badass. Though. Yeah, but she's just toying with him. She's like, you know, she's like blocking while hitting him. She's like, no, no, you're doing good. And, <laughs> like, and you know, but she just has a lot of experience. Like, she has, she knows what she's doing. My, my point is, there's an understanding, there's an experiential understanding, and there's like an academic understanding. So I could read hundreds of books about Musashi and the way he moved and his thought strategies. But until I implement them into my own life, until I really try to get to the, the core of what he's talking about and bring it to life in my own way, after because I have to digest it and make it my own. Until I do that, I don't really have any understanding of it. So, so um, the academic wrote memorization it has its place it has its value under understanding and experiencing yeah would you say that academic under academic knowledge theory essentially hmm. doesn't really offer anything to creation when compared to doing and experiencing it it has its place it's it's more of a vehicle because if you, if you can't understand it academically, you may be able to instinctively understand it. But if you don't have that instinctual understanding, you have to start somewhere. So the academic allows me, personally, to get into topics that I just wouldn't naturally get into. Do you know what I mean? So I have to understand... Uh, so if you talk about the Kung Fu... There are certain things I have to understand academically, at least to a certain extent, before I can make them a part of me. So, you, you guys ever see Big Bang Theory? Yeah. There's, a, there's this great scene where they, they it's very small, they, their car breaks down. And the guy driving is like, does anyone know anything about internal combustion engines? And they all raise their hands. And the guy goes, practical applications. And all their hands go down. <laughs> so he's like, you guys know anything about the Corona Bush? They could have rattled off the history of the engine, all the parts in it, what goes on. Like, okay, how do we fix it? Oh, I, I got nothing. 
So <laughs> it's not that there isn't value in their, their knowledge of the engine. It's just that in that particular instance, they needed to know how to do something with it. So whatever you're approaching, if you have that knowledge, if you're doing something with it, even if it's just, you know, proliferating it, like this is what I view, this is what I believe, I'm, I'm offering that to you, and there's a group of people that want that information, that's, that's at least try to do something with it. But for your own personal use, for your own stuff, for what we talked about last time with expression or practice for where I'm at, you, you have to bring it into the realm of practice in the hopes of getting to the realm of expression. Now, I'm talking a little bit abstract today, but... <laughs> I don't think that was too abstract. Oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, so, and I, I kind of have to recuse myself from the... Um, from the question you asked, because our conversation, we, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. We cheated. Yeah, we cheated. Well, I cheated. With you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do, do you want to add anything to that, Glenn? Or yeah. Were, were you... Were you uh... Yeah, I've been thinking about why creation exists. And um, actually, it just kind of hit me out of nowhere. I was sitting like in my dad's chair in the living room not listening to or paying attention to anything I was just sitting there and uh, I had this just kind of like thought uh, creation exists just for us like in an individual way and then also universally, creation exists uh, to perpetuate itself. And it also exists for us to participate in this perpetuation for the time that we're here. If each and every one of us is a universe, um, we actively participate every day in our own creation and because we are parts each of us of universal creation let's call it cosmic creation we uh, we actively participate in that too and we influence the people around us sometimes in ways that we don't see sometimes strangers you know you leave a newspaper on a bench and walk away and somebody picks it up and reads it, you just influence the creation of a stranger. Or many, depending on how it goes. It's just, it's infinite. But at the same time, you know, when, when you die, as far as I know, you move on to something else. You know? Or maybe not. But you're not participating the way you were when you were alive, to my knowledge. I don't know. But creation exists just for each and every one of us. For all of us, but individually just for us. And I feel like that's um, really cool because it kind of frees us in a way it really cosmically speaking we spoke about the distance between the earth and the sun and the size of a galaxy and all the other planets in the universe that are like ours but we're not there we're here and right now as things stand uh, that's the most and also the best that we can do is just being right here. And that's what I think about creation. <clears throat> Want to add anything to that, Ben? I, I was more interested in in how you were getting there, like the what brought you there. And I like the aspect of... Um, 
belief. I'd rather talk about belief and faith. And they're very powerful and they're important. And right now, based on where you are, what you've been through, that's what you that's what you believe. That's what you're seeing based on your own experience. And that's really that's really cool. And as and and you're you're believing that because that's how you view things, not because you have something else to justify, and not because, you know, like, you're scared and you need something to lock in and build off a foundation. So, you're like, okay, this is how I see things now. But the cool thing is, based on the way you expressed it, you left it open to, to change a little bit. And that's, that's what I thought was cool. Um... Again, I, I, I was there when you talked about why creation exists. And it was just... <laughs> the answer still hurts my head a little bit. So... So, Ken, you got anything that you want to put into that? <clears throat> or, uh, well, Glenn said something that uh, just reminded me that, uh, you know, I've heard before that, you know, like you said, we're our own universes. And it kind of goes into, uh, you know, we're existing in this universe, experiencing in it through ourselves. It's experiencing itself through us and vice versa. It sounds like everything everyone's saying is kind of along the same, like not contradicting anything that I've read before, which is kind of strange. Like I don't feel like anything's out of, you know, like nothing's really off. I just don't know... <clears throat> You know, if there, like you said, if, if there's no answer, is it all just a way? Is it? I don't know. Well, everything to me is is a way. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything that, you know, like a, you're just on a path. You should always have constant movement and just always be moving. You know, never, never just. I mean, certain times and certain things and aspects of your life, you have to batten down the hatches, you know, and prepare for the storm, you know, and that's more on a physical plane, you know. <laughs> our, our natural disaster, our family disaster, or whatever has to, what's ever going on in your, you know, in the material life, you know, but as far as, uh, for like what we said earlier, spiritual, it, it's more, you know, you, you guys consider yourself more uh, spiritual than any than adjacent yourself to any religion. Now, I think religion's great. Religion is to tie, to bind, to become one with. And I think as a community is great, but I think within the religious, whatever religious belief or culture you were in, that that is a, a means of a meeting house where people gather together. Um, and, and it's like a stepping stone to help you through the mythology of all the different religions and beliefs and all of that to help you to grow as an individual and also to be able to share it with other individuals. It's when religions become uh, a ploy for political power and war, which is why religion really exists to me in the first place. And they get locked into the old dogma. Right, and, but, and they use it to have political gains and, right. and, and really it's, uh, it's, it's not really that at all, it's just a, just a means of doing it. But the idea of the function of a church or of what religion is supposed to represent individually and people that are really not just saying, oh, well, I'm going to follow this way because this guy's telling us to follow this way, or we need to do this, or I need to defend my God, or what I believe in. If it is something that you want to really has to remember, you have to remember as a community, you have to remember this, then you say, okay, we all move together and do this. That is you know? one thing I do like about religion. When, it's, when they do it right, they make, they make it a point. I know you like rituals. Yes. They, they make it a point so something becomes a ritual or a rite of passage, and it's, it's observed as a community. And that's, I think the design of it is to bring people into the moment. To me, religion is a way of communicating, or wherever there's a religious body, but I think the, they're all kind of saying the same thing. You know, they're all kind of saying the same thing. That's where Joseph Campbell comes in and brings all the mythologies and all the things. They're all going up, saying things in a, in a little bit differently, coming from different angles. But to me, it's a stepping stone. It's, it's a ladder to take you further. So you may have the communication, you may have that, because everybody there is trying to gain something about themselves. If they're going there, you know, like people, 
will kill themselves or kill others to validate their belief. And that, to me, is just fear. They actually have fear uh, that if by not doing this, then I'm not representing my God, and I really truly don't believe, so I need to do this because this is representing my God. And it's really out of fear that they're doing it. You know, not for, like, true belief or not using it as uh, a means of development. That's where religion has its control. Mm. You know, why people do different things. But we're easily, we're easily brainwashed by, by people we believe in. It's easy to follow. I, I think the whole point of what religion or what our temples as an individual or creation is trying to do is help you to become more of an individual, help you to discover your individuality and truly discover growth and, and movement. So when we get into, uh, uh, we can close it coming up to a close and then we'll, we'll talk about it more about the question if you guys want to go into that a little bit further. But let's talk about tools. All right. All right. So we talked about religion. We talked about things in that way. And we could get into all political views and stuff like that. There's no bad religion. There's no good religion. It's just a matter of a person individually being able to follow what they truly believe, not just follow a leader that says, you know, all these people are because they, they don't believe the same way. Or like, you ever read the Old Testament? You know, in the Old Testament, Moses wiped everybody out, you know, after from this one point. And that's like our belief was right. But if you read in between the lines, it's it, it doesn't really go that way or into the history of it. And that's more your area, Ben, of expertise. Well, as heretical as it sounds, it's more about what works for the individual at that time. Right. And what's going on and, and it, uh, evolving or how we are here today based on it. And the only thing I have to say personally that I disagree about religion is I don't disagree with any religion or any person's beliefs. I just don't like that it turns dark and, and throughout history religion has been used to, to gain political power or to gain uh, land or um, you know, resources just um, overall manipulation. Overall, that part of it. That's yeah. the only part I don't like when a religious leader takes over and says, this is what we have to do, and uses it as a means for their own gains. Uh, I think religion itself, whatever the belief is, whatever God you believe in, uh, is personal. And it should be personal. And a way of congregating everybody together, depending, like, if you have an image or a deity that you believe in, then that's fine. But it should be personal you know not massive like well because you're not this one belief we're going to attack this people because they don't because we're right and everyone's right when it comes to that you know it's just you have the freedom to believe and grow so my only beef with religion is that it seems more created to cause manipulation to cause war you know, are to, to gain things. And I think there is a war that we do face within our own being that we need to discover through the congregation of people coming together and talking about it. Yeah. It's like, what, what was it, uh, uh, Christ, I think it was, says, when, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. It's something to that effect. I don't know if it was from the Old Testament or New Testament. It's got to be New Testament if it's Jesus. But. I think it was Jesus, right? You yeah. Know? So yeah, I'm, I just like the statement. If you're, I'm, I'm not terribly good with the quotes. Yeah, it's just, here we are. We're talking about it. We're here. We're congregating. So in a sense that people may say, oh, it, it's just people getting together and discussing things and discovering. Mm. To me, that's what religion is supposed to be. It's about discovering. And whatever deity you believe in, you know, when Buddhism first started, Buddhism first started, there was no... There was no idol. There was no Buddha. It was just empty. And you just believed in this way. And then to form it, it had to become a religion. It had to, it had, we had to make a Buddha. We had to make statues. We had to make images. We had to do all of this. But traditionally, it had no image at all. But we couldn't handle that. So we needed to create something and say, this is what we pray to. Yeah. This is what we are, instead of being a part of it. And to me, this is what we're doing here, or to me, that's what religion can be. 
depending on how you face it, whether you're a Catholic or you're Jewish or you're uh, a Muslim, or it, it, they're all saying the same thing. It's a matter of communication, hmm. you know, and working through that image to give us some place to go. So that, to me, is a tool. And it should be used as a tool, but not as a tool to um, create, um, to use as a means to, for war. Right. You know, or to hurt other people because they believe differently than you. I mean, of course, if a race or a group of people come and they're attacking you, you have to defend yourself no matter <laughs> They're coming in and saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to. You know, like World War Two. you know, that was a yeah. world war. That was, everybody had to fight everybody. It was about a dictator coming in and saying, hey, I don't want to believe in this way. I don't want to do that. And he was trying to do a cleansing and wipe out all the things that were, yeah, he was the Darth Vader. Yeah. Hitler was trying to be the Darth Vader, you know. So we all had to fight. It was like everybody had to come together. You can't say, well, I don't want to fight, you know, when the guy's coming in or they're coming in with a tank and running over your house, you know, yeah. You have to do something. But I think it's a matter of, it, it could be used as a tool to really uh, evolve and grow. And especially when uh, you have like-minded people that are getting together and talking about growth. And from it comes a lot of good things as well. You know, people <clears throat> trying to help the community, charity functions, people that are, that are Whatever, whatever is going on, the, the church or the organization tries to do things that are positive, help the, the homeless. Or, there's a lot of positive things that, are, that can come from it, you know, uh, possibly, you know, if it's structured right. So we talk about tools, and um, that to me is a, is a tool for the toolbox, you know. But when we talk about, you said something earlier, you talked about, and We'll catch on this, and then we'll end, and then we can come back with that idea of creation, right? But we talked about, in, in one of our uh, talks, we talked about uh, faith. Mm. We talked about love, right? Yep. We talked about, we talked about trust, right? And then I, we also, I was saying certain things to, like, when you're being strangled that you come back to. You know, movement, simplicity, all of these things. But... When you talk about having faith in something, or you talk about being like you were doing uh, earlier, saying about being in the moment, what makes the emptiness of that growth work? And to, to what it means to be empty. So to not design your trust. If we talk about trust, and we say, okay, I trust that God is leading me somewhere. All right, and then you design where you want to be led to. I trust that I will have nice things. I trust that I will have a family. I trust that I will fall in love, and but you've already designed it, and that's not really trust. You're talking about it in a way that I trust God to give me these things, but you don't really realize that's what you're saying. Or I have faith that God, or my creation, or my belief has got to give me these things. Or I have faith that I'm right and this person is wrong, so therefore they need to be destroyed. You know, because of or whatever it is. And then what I say about void of that, to empty it, how do you empty it? So how do you really know what it means to be? How do you need to know what it really means to have empty faith or empty love or empty trust? How do you know that you're on the right path? How do you guys know that? You have to be willing to challenge it. Okay, so... How does one practice emptiness? Oh, another question. Another <laughs> question that kind of goes with the question I asked you with creation. Yeah. All right. So how do you practice that? How do you really begin to, to really have faith in what you're doing, in what you're designing, to really have trust in it. How do you, how, how do you recognize what it means to be? And, and we can only do things through the power of words. But the yep. words and what's behind the words, like the scales of the dragon, what's behind those scales that give a closer meaning to you? And this is really hard to articulate because um, they sound contradictory in my head. So on one hand, if you have faith in something, 
and you, you're not giving it a design or you're not forcing a design upon it, you can't question it. So, you know, if, I, if I'm using the art as a vehicle to, to really discover who and what I am, I can't tell it what I am and kind of force my path on it. You know, it's going to take me where it takes me. Even if it takes me to a place I don't like at all. But at the same time, I have to be willing to challenge what it is I already think and believe in order to move along that path. Right. Okay. I think, um, I don't know, we, we keep outside of the recordings, uh, mentioning the power of consciousness. Um, I think that to practice emptiness, you have to use consciousness to examine why you do things honestly where you are and whether or not you have expectation and if you do have an expectation of something what is it and why do you have it well when you talk about expectations expectations are is kind of tough you know they, they could be a drive for you if you have over expectations, I, I think most of my students, you guys included, you know, have high expectations and don't recognize that you have high expectations. That's the key. We just had a whole conversation, which actually was a good conversation about work and, and whatnot. We were talking about where you are and how much you put into yourself. Actually, that would be a good place to talk tomorrow or next podcast about that whole conversation. That was a good conversation. Yeah. Recognizing one's own expectations. You don't recognize them. You guys don't see them. So let's, let's, we, we won't, I'm not going to end here. We're going to end a little bit because it's cool that we ask the audience also the question about consciousness and give everybody the idea of thinking. But you do need tools, right? So when you talk about uh, expectations, when you talk about bringing your trust into the, into the game, love, love, whoa, into the game, you know? The idea of being. There is a word that kind of like amalgamates all of that that you have to go to to really understand what that all means. You know, you know, to bring it all together. And it's very simple. It just is. It just is. So when you are thinking about the idea of trust, and when you're thinking about faith, and you're thinking about it, and you empty it, you truly empty it by just knowing that this is what this is. This is what brings you into the moment. It is where you are. And what you need to do is recognize where you are. You could bring all of these things into play that open up your mind to like, Oh, maybe my, I have too many high expectations of myself, or maybe I'm not seeing this. I mean, this is all part of your growth process. But to bring the idea of empty faith, empty trust, empty to empty it, to, to bring all that out, you have to practice the is. Right? And the is is where you are. This is it. This is it. This is the it. Right? We're just here. We have to become empty so that we have motion and movement, absorb, allow us to see, and let it take us where it is going to take us. And the only way we could do that is by recognizing, before you can recognize the it, you have to see the is. You is where you are. <laughs> and this is basically, when you look at faith, this is where I am. You can't, and where is it going to take you? And you can, you have all these designs based on what you have an understanding of where you are based on where you are right now in, in your life. And the information that you get and the info that you upload or download to your being and how it's moving. To discover that to have, to recognize what emptiness is, it just is. And if you see the is, 
then it opens you up to the endless possibilities of your existence. The endless possibilities of existing. Because you're always questioning. You're always moving. You're never solid. You are where you are. So when people ask me, hey, this, this is where I am now. Five years from now, I may be a different person. I may have different information. I still have my roots, but I moved on from it. But this is where I'm at. So when I talk about trust, it's, it is here, right now. It's here, and I'm moving with that as I open myself to the emptiness of it. So when you, when you talk about how you bring those tools into existence, you know, and how they all compile, you have to recognize the idea of being where you are right now and seeing where you are right now and recognize the is of the emptiness. You know, the emptiness in your trust, the emptiness in your faith, and let it take you. So the is gets you to the it, and the it gets you to motion, movement. And then you're truly practicing something. You're not denying anybody's belief or anybody's way or culture or anything that they are. You are absorbing it, and it's not important for you to prove that you're right. You are in the is. You are in and seeing that you are in a constant motion and movement with creation. Because what you were saying earlier, well, maybe creation is nothing more than a hologram. The Holographic Universe. It's a very good book if anybody decides to look it up and read it. Right? Okay, so, you know, it gives a whole different explanation that of a dream floating into a dream. Right? You exist. When you die, you no longer exist, right? Well, when you die, nothing around you exists anymore. From here. It's like you wake up from a dream. In your dream, everything has material. You're sitting in chairs in your dream. The people are real in your dream, whatever it may be. Especially when you have a very uh, potent dream, you know. And then you wake up and all that's gone. You know, and either you learn from that dream or whatever happens. But it's real to you then. So maybe death is simply nothing than waking up from one dream and going into another. So this dream is important because it's where you are, right? It's where you are, it's real, you know, to you as it is. So if you practice the idea of true emptiness and you just let it guide you, let it take you, you also have to be able to understand the vehicle, your vehicle, the vehicle of your, of your temple. You know, the machine that you're in, the body, you know, it could be, you could, some people would say we're still animals, other people say we're machines, but it does contain something very precious. And when it, either when it's sliced open or it dies from old age and the energies can no longer be contained in the body, the body just simply stays and everything goes. So when you talk about why you're here or what you're doing, you're practicing it comes back to practicing the is, you know, to discover it. And the it is like endless. It's always moving. It always has motion. So if you truly, to understand how to apply empty faith, to how to apply empty trust, you have to understand the is of you. And I am here. And I need to just let it grow. I let it, let it take me. Let it move me. And understand your material, your physical, your, your desires, your, your ways of wanting something more in your life or to have something more in your life. But the is follows nothing because it just is. You exist. That's the is. And see where it's going to take you. Or how it's going to take you. All right, we can end it there and we can continue with creation. And what else did we want to talk about? Uh, you, you that conversation you had with me uh, last time about ex what's going on in your life, how we don't recognize our own our own world. Yeah. So that's the whole part of understanding the emptiness. It helps you to recognize where you are, not just you know. It kind of allows you to, I don't know, to um, 
uh, when you talk about the things that we're talking about, it kind of allows you to do a self-evaluation. Yeah. To really see yourself. You know how you have a dream and you're watching yourself in your dream? Or when you see some, or, or you don't see how you are. I'm always asking uh, Ben and Jen uh, about, you know, well, how, how, how do I do in a class? And they'll say, well, you were a little bit confusing on this, a little bit of confusing on that. Because you want to get other people's views of how you're seeing how you come in their across, eyes. Yeah. And, but the is allows you to really practice that because you start bringing the empty faith and all of those things into it. So we'll end it there. I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. And Bye. Bye, everyone. You. See you soon. Thank you for listening to The Way of Violent Realization. If you'd like to see or hear more, you can check out the website, systemswithinsystems.com. We have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page that you find the links for. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to our email, sws.kungfu at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you.